The world around us is changing faster than ever before. From automation, artificial intelligence, big data, geolocation, to every aspect of how we work and live. This includes data. Welcome Welcome, to Data Gurus Podcast. Our mission is to bring you a real-life perspective on what's happening in the industry and how successful companies and individuals in this niche navigate through the sea of change. Encouraging you to be bold, be be brave, and be fearless, let's navigate the data ecosystem together. Welcome Welcome, welcome. to the Data Gurus Podcast. I'm so excited that I have Jacqueline Rosales joining me today. She is the COO of Soapbox Sample, and I can make it better. Welcome, Jacqueline. Thanks, Seema. It's great to be chatting with you today. How are you doing? You know, I'm doing doing, <laughs> doing a lot of stuff. We're yes. doing different than how's it going, right? That's true. So just give us a little bit of background in terms of what you specifically focus on in your day-to-day job. Yeah, so... Not entirely sure what I focus on day to day, <laughs> but I can share just a quick kind of background. Yeah, we, that'd be great. Kind of interesting position kind of coming into our, our current world situation. But Soapbox, actually, we just celebrated eight years, believe it or not. It's amazing. Um, it seems like the longest and shortest eight years ever. And then we, I guess, acquired I Can Make It Better Now. It's been three or four years um, but we had really, really focused on digital agility, if you will. Okay. Which was more a strategic decision so that we could continue as we started to get bigger. We didn't want to lose our ability to be like flexible and nimble and at the forefront. And so what it really came down to was there was a lot of areas of business that still were not really able to be covered by the traditional or the new methodologies because there was kind of holes in both. And we said, let's position ourselves as online, but the ability to kind of handle those types of things and then evolve into really being digital. I tease a lot, Seema, that I'm in the business or entered the business of buying and selling people, not the kind that's going to send me to prison. And I'm not talking about (laughs) rounds. But for real, legally, buying and selling people, right? So my job is to connect brands with their consumers. The data that's being collected is the basis of any research. And it sounds so boring, but, and it's so obvious, but we forget that, right? right? And I want to talk to you about this because I think it's becoming even more prominent as you have embarked on this COVID research. Right. Tell me a little bit more. How did that come about originally? Yeah, so we've actually done quite a bit of, of, quote, traditional style COVID research. Okay. And that put us in a position to move into some antibody testing research, which uh, you see, I know you've seen you know, yes. on, the, on the news. Yeah. And so it's interesting, you know, we're part of, at Soapbox, I Can Make Better, part of the bigger LRW group, even though we're, we still operate quite separately. Right. And there was a connection here. We've been in this community in Los Angeles, you know, 50 years. Lieberman is almost 50 years, ISA almost 40. And so we're known, right? And we have a strong history there. The academic side, but right. the chief science officer actually for the Department of Health had a connection to our organization. Mm-hmm. They have known each other. 
And it was kind of a casual conversation of, you know, hey, I'm partnering and we have a lot we need to figure out, right? And be able to secure antibody tests, one of three that were actually, you know, approved. There's a lot out on the market. So everybody just kind of be careful between what's for what. So there's some antibody testing approved for actual like diagnosis, some that's approved, but is is not diagnostic. And then some that's just not approved at all. Right. So we're seeing quite a bit, a new place for fraud to pop up actually. So they basically said, you know, we don't know how to do this. Mm -hmm. We need to get a representative population of LA County, which is extremely diverse. Right. So we are only in Los Angeles County, about 48 to 50% Caucasian. Okay. And so we needed to be able to reach, you know, our ethnic groups, high income, low income, the various ages. But the trick was, Seema, is that we then needed to invite folks to a testing site and where they went drive through and had a finger prick based antibody test. And we had to build a system that allowed us to go from screening individuals to anonymizing them, making them stripping their PII. There you go. And then being able to check in at the site being able to buy that code, mm-hmm. right? Being able to then have a test result entered again with that code, being able to keep everything separate, being able, we tested across the first wave, six sites in LA County. We launched the second wave, which is now growing to eight sites. And how many people are in each wave? Like uh, give us an idea of the- Yeah, so breath. the goal is a thousand folks each wave. Although we are talking to another university to expand the initiative uh, to another Southern California County where they are actually looking at some bigger sample sizes around 5,000 each time. So the trick was being able to get the people who meet the quotas, but then being able to get them to go, you know, do this. To actually show up. Yeah, to show up and then deal with any type of and results. And Didn't you have to substantiate your methodology for the journal? Oh my gosh. Yes. We have had to substantiate the methodology and the sampling over and over and over and over. And a lot of times, you know, when you're looking at academic researchers or scientists, you know, they're familiar for some reason with, you know, RDD telephone dialing. Right. And then even just saying, hey, that that's not actually going to get you a representation of LA County because we, you know, only, you know, 65% of people don't even have a landline. Landline, right. So it's just been a very, very interesting process. We were sort of in the right place at the right time. That nimbleness that I was talking about was super important. Being able to take what we had and what we already knew how to do and reapply it right, right to something different. Now, keep in mind, it's not a medical diagnostic test, right? Sure. That's not necessarily the business that we're in. Right. But working with the city and the county and realizing how important this is to the officials and then watching the briefings every day here, Mayor Garcetti does a briefing every day and him talking about all this research and talking about the numbers and then watching the press conference and then seeing all the attention it got, both positive and negative, quite frankly, right? right? Yes. Just like most anything that comes out right now. And I'm so proud. I just have to say this, Seema, and I'm bragging a little bit, but I have to. Okay. The individuals on the team that have worked on this project. Yes. No questions asked, 24-7, we'll make it work. I mean, it took us weeks to work 
on just getting IRB approval. Every single step has to be approved. And by the way, if you change a single word in the survey, it has to go back to, to approval. All of us had to take courses on human factors research. Wow. So despite the fact that we have been doing this, you know, some of us, in my case, more than 25 years, right. still had to take this course that demonstrated I know how to deal with human factors and human right. subjects and pass the university review boards. And then you've got the county requirements. And then um, we have to answer everybody's questions. And then the county had, there's websites on the Department of Health that they had to stand up with FAQs about this study. They thought they would have one person to answer questions. Department of Health ended up having to have five. We ended up getting so many inquiries also from respondents that we had to set up a separate email group. And then there's question around how do you leverage the new people signing up? Right. Right. You know, there's a lot of questions like, are they only signing up because they're interested in COVID? And mm-hmm. it's like, nobody's doing anything under normal pretenses right now. So I don't know how to answer the question. Right. right? Maybe mm-hmm. they're just bored and they want to do, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I'm watching this struggle of like, we want to represent the pre COVID world in this research. And mm-hmm. I was like, uh, yeah, it can't happen. We're in the middle. Of We're it. in the COVID world right now. Yeah, so <laughs> I don't really, you know, it's not going to look that way. And right. by the way, you know, everybody keeps saying, well, when we get back to normal and back to our segmentations and brand trackers, it's like, Oh, it's not going to be the same. That's true. Well, and I think partly because everything, like you said, in one month, we went from 1,000 to 50,000 people that have passed away. So how can we ever get back to the way it used to be, quote unquote? Right. It's changing rapidly day by day. The exciting part too is if you're watching through like a certain lens, right? So the (laughs) lens I've given the team to look at is every day you wake up and think to yourself, I'm an entrepreneur and I'm going to launch a new company today. That's right. What am I launching? Right. Where are my categories? And I probably consume too much media, but I feel like there's so many opportunities and so much research to be done. And there's, for me, I feel like there's too much opportunity Mm. and I can't get to it all. And I'm chatting with a lot of people who don't feel like there's any opportunity because they're just waiting for things to kind of go back to what it is that they know. Mm -hmm. And that really scares me because I'm afraid that we're going to see some really good players in our space not be here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Business practices doing to just not being able to pivot. Some people want to pivot and can't because it's it's not that fast. You know, for people like me, it can be challenging too, because I want to work with the team and encourage them and be creative and come up with new ideas. And they're like, we're not entrepreneurs. Mm Mm-hmm. And I forget that. And some of our conversation this weekend seem to help me even remember that. Being an entrepreneur is not for everybody. That's right. And that I kind of forget what that thinking is like. I mean, my brain goes all day long. Like if I had more time, I feel like I would launch 25 businesses right now. I completely Uh, agree with you. And then other people are like, I just don't know what to do with you. I'm thinking, I'll give you 25 things to do with your day, right? (laughs) Or is something I'm not. Yes. So working on this antibody research, yeah. right, Yeah, which is the single most important, impactful work I've ever done in my life. That's so exciting. The most exciting. When that press release went out, like we've been working on it, just kind of like head down, not really thinking about the impact. Yeah. And then as it got closer to the actually opening the sites and media started to get wind of it, we thought, oh, wow, there might be some attention here Mm -hmm. and then went out on a Thursday like late so early 
Friday morning. And by 7.30 California time, it was a different life. Yeah. I mean, it was like, you I need, would imagine you need to shower and yeah. be on Zoom and the news is going to be- And start I'm talking. Like, what? what are you talking about? Like news? What news? Like what? And then they were like, you made the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, the LA Times, the Tribune. I was like, what the hell? I was asleep for two hours. That's like, so cool. I don't cool. know what just happened. You yeah. Know? It, it is amazing, the division, like the polar opposite division about just even like, quote unquote, opening up the country or opening right. up the state. There's just so much debate around it. And it's really hard to, you know, because I think that I forgot who I saw a YouTube video this weekend, Doctors in California, completely just not. I don't want to say discrediting, but basically saying, look, if we're going to base this on science, let's look at the numbers. Let's yeah. really look at the numbers. And the reality is their hypothesis was, or their premise was that social distancing helped in the beginning, but yeah. now it's time to get back into, you know, day-to-day -day life. Mm -hmm. And the argument's always been, let's base it on science. And so now here are some scientists that are bringing other numbers to the table. Yeah you know, speaks to the debate of whatever the, your study in the press release, there's just such divergent polar opposite point of views. Yes. So what's so interesting too, right? It's you crazy. Know, we all know that media tells their own story, right? right? Yes. We all know they slant to their own angle, but until it's like, you're seeing what's happening with your, like, by the way, it's fact. I mean, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, people are arguing with me what it really is, but I mean, it's statistical data, right? Yeah, right. And there still is like that reaction where, right. where people took the, the preliminary, preliminary results, right? Yep. And got very different takeaways, right? Mm -hmm. Everything from, see, this was never a real thing, to we're in more trouble than we thought because there's a lot of silent carriers, to, right. well, the death rate's lower, but the infection rate's high. I mean, it was the same release. Data. Same set of data. Yep. Same quotes. Mm -hmm. Same everything. And it's reported on in completely different opposite ways because people just adopt it to whatever they want to serve their agenda, right? Yes. And I bring that back to our clients, you know, how safe is it to be doing research and how reliable is it? And it's like, well, the whole world is right. polarized right now. We just did a bunch of research because we do twice weekly COVID research, which by the way, SEMA is available to you, is available to anyone in this industry. All of this stuff is supporting the research industry, COVID, and trying to help us all understand. That's the great. That's in. fantastic. And that stuff is available. But we just last week did the quick poll to get people's opinions on the protests. Okay. And that was very, very interesting. I guess there's just too much data to really speak to the top line view, but can you- Well, one interesting thing that I took away was- um, the people who are against the protests, right, mm -hmm. feel like, you know, it's wrong and, oh, these people should have to waive their medical right to treatment if and when they get sick, like that kind of type of level. But at the same time, those people also believe that they have the right to protest. Right. So they believe they have the right to protest, but that they should all die a long, slow death if they do. I mean, it's just <laughs> bizarre, right? Very bizarre. And so even in the way that we're looking at that data is you also have to look at how you're asking your questions sure. because 
if you don't ask them with enough depth, it's going to get you wonky answers. And it's right. a really good time if you can do any type of research, which sort of combines, you know, your quantitative and qualitative type aspects, mm-hmm. even if it's all done one way or the other, right? But really understanding what are the numbers and then what are the drivers behind those numbers? Because we could have looked at this many people are against the protests, right? And think that they shouldn't be doing them. But then when you go down one more question, but then they all think everyone has the right, right? So, and some other things, what people think they're protesting about, and it was a high percentage, I think it was eight, I hate quoting when it's not in front of me. Mm-hmm. So, but it's somewhere around 18, 20-ish percent or something of people believe, and it is perhaps quite true, that the protests are about haircuts. That are about what? Haircuts. Oh, no, you're kidding. No, I'm not. That they can't get a haircut? Yeah, or that people are complaining they can't get haircuts, or people should be able to get haircuts, or it was an astro- It was a double oh, so number, close to twenty percent. Wow. That's pretty and amazing. So it was people are protesting because they want to go back to work and right. provide for their family. Yes. People are protesting because they don't believe you know the virus is real. Mm. People are protesting because they believe it's their freedom to make a decision, and then people are protesting because they want it. Yeah, the haircut, right. But what you're saying to me, it was pretty high up on the list. Right. Yeah, so that's amazing. Interesting. So, so Jacqueline, let me ask you this. Is COVID methodology that you guys did in partnering with USC, is that going to be a pivot? Like, is that going to be a new product line for you guys, a new application of data collection as it relates to the future? So I don't see it going away. Okay, so let's, I want to switch gears because you guys are really early in the cannabis world. <laughs> when did you focus so diligently on cannabis? Yeah, so we started in cannabis at the end of 2015. Wow. And it was more, we had been tapped to do some telephone work. Okay. Enough. And it was in the very early days and um, we had learned at that time that the organization we were working with had a lot of trouble getting somebody to work with them, number one. And then fast forward. Just because of the category. Yes, because the category. So then fast forward, well, about that same time, right? So in 2015 was when I had my accident. Yes. And, you know, have surgeries and surgeries up until just the most recent one. And I've contracted a condition called CRPS and have a CDI and some other things. But at any rate, my pain management doctors and my brain specialists and my neurologists and all these different specialists that I work with, nervous because of the amount of medication I was on, especially with somebody with a brain injury. And they had suggested a medical cannabis to help as it related to some uh, the prescription medications and being able to make those changes. To help with pain management? Yes. Pain management and also reduction of related medication. Got right? it. Okay. So when you're in an accident like that, they, they basically pump you full of all kinds of things. Sure. And so I've had a lot of success. And so there's a personal story. Right. And then at the same time, the industry continued to evolve. And I'm very passionate about it yeah. from the medical side. And I think as an entrepreneur, when you also tie in something you're passionate about, not necessarily a hobby, but something you believe in, it fuels you. It's kind of the same as COVID in that it was like, I believe in this. I want to help. I want to make a difference. This could be really important in the research industry. 
here's an opportunity to really be a trailblazer. It's not methodology based. It's not your 2012 panel that should have been in 2019, right? right? Yep. It's really something driving forward and something I believe in, like the plant as a whole and what it's going to do for the earth. And people can agree or disagree and that's fine. And we really went all in. And this was a little over two years ago. That's amazing. And then we were there for the legalization, you know, recreational legalization across multiple states, one of course of which being California, even though we had medical legalization. And myself and our director of marketing, Adriana Hemans, I really identified that this was the place for us to be. And I will tell you that it wasn't always supported by the stakeholders. I bet. And it was... I don't know that this is, you know, there was a lot of resistance, not necessarily because of the topic, but more so is there really business here to be had and, mm-hmm. and helping to overcome the stigma of like, why would a bunch of stoners give you money? And it's like, right. oh, you industry at all. That's not what it is. Right. And became thought partners. Same thing with COVID started offering that industry research. As we were doing the research, we would uncover more opportunities. Then, you know, we became a founding member within Weed Week Council. Um, also helping to partner with different organizations that were growing the industry. And we started very quickly being asked to speak and do research on what we were finding. And two years later, it is, let's just say we're very, very involved. Right. And we have some key brands and also ancillary business from that category. As you may or may not know, SEMA um, considered essential business. Yes. And so... We have been in this position where, again, wanting to be nimble and flexible and able to really dig in on those kind of grassroots marketing and entrepreneurship. We put no real dollars towards it. It's all been like feet on the street. We're going to speak. We're going to have conversations. We're going to write articles. We'll be on every panel we're asked to be on, like type of thing. And now we don't really compete for those things. We're just asked. That's fantastic. And so the combination of this odd world has led us really growing within cannabis and COVID. Yeah, that's right. The two C's. Yeah. That's amazing. You have that passion, Jacqueline. It's amazing. You've done amazing things. And, you know, in light of even the backdrop of all the the accident and all the medical stuff, I have to just say hats off to you. You're an amazing person. You've just done amazing things. So thank you for joining me today. Well, thanks for having me, Seema. I enjoy chatting with you and especially as it relates to, well, a lot of things, <laughs> entrepreneurship conversation because you just get me. So thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and of course, we're going to continue to talk about COVID and cannabis in the future too. Absolutely. Thanks, Seema. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Data Guru's podcast. This episode has ended, but your exploration doesn't have to. Head over to www.datagurusspodcast.com and access all the resources and links mentioned in today's show. You'll also find bonus content available to our podcast listeners exclusively. That's www.datagurusspodcast.com. Until next time, be bold, be brave, and be fearless.